0: And and as I took over actually next month is my 10th anniversary as senior pastor, I felt part of God's calling on me was to begin to change the focus of the church out, begin to go out into the community. Jesus did not spend, He spent time in the temple, but His ministry was out among the people. And it's very easy to develop a mentality of coming in and getting fed on Sunday and enjoying Sunday and then going out and live our lives. And that's not what calls, God calls us to do. Obviously we live our lives, but your, our first life is, is serving Him and being the body of Christ, His hands, His feet, His voice, out into the community, wherever God sends us into the world that God has placed us in. And so we've been looking for opportunities to do that. And, and many of you are already doing that. I, I get people approaching me. I got an email this week from somebody that's been out handing out tracts and just that old-fashioned way of witnessing, handing out tracts, but how it's revolutionizing her and so excited about it that she wants to get everybody handing out tracts. And we're, we're, we're doing things in that direction. But, but so we want to have opportunities. We've been looking for opportunities to give you to do that. And so this Sunday is is kind of like that. We're calling this Outreach Sunday. We did something like this a year or so ago. Um, we've just had a, people come back from South Carolina that, that went down there and help with some of the reconstruction from the, the flooding that took place back there. We've had little team, teams going to Haiti and, 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 uh, and other places, and we're going to see more and more of that, of beginning to get outside of our blue chair and the comfort of our lives. Because when you step outside of your comfort zone and you begin to share and give what God's put in you to give, it changes your life because that's the purpose of your life. And when you begin to step into the purpose of your life, it begins to transform you. Instead of, say, well, I've got a busy schedule and I'm tired. If you ever want to be energized, just begin to do what God's put you here to do and the life of God will begin to flow out of you and it will begin to change you. This is also a time of year. Christmas, as we're approaching Christmas, is a time of year when 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 that's more people's focus, is more on giving and, and sharing, and it should be something we do all year round, but people are more open to that and more in the mood for that and to be receiving. So the timing of this is very good. So today we're going to give you a flavor of some of that. Um, I also want to encourage you, many of you think that, that it's, um, I, I can't do that. You know, I'm not, I'm not like you. I'm not a former lawyer. I'm not a pastor. I can't stand up and teach. But mi- this is a very small part of what ministry is. Real ministry happens out there. The Bible says that the pastor, evangelist, teacher, prophet, and, and apostle are to equip the saints so that we can do the work of the ministry which is out there. And this is what we want to focus on this, this, um, this morning. We have some people in our congregation, and two we're going to interview this morning that have done that. They've gotten out of their blue chair and each of them have come to me with almost the same testimony. I was uncomfortable, but I felt God calling me to go and to do this and to step out. And when I did, it's changed me and it's transformed me. And as I've talked to them and listened to the energy and the life that's in them, I just was looking for an appropriate time to do that. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to encourage you to step out of your comfort zone by showing you others that have done that. But before we do that, I want to read a scripture to you. This is out of Matthew 25. This is Jesus talking. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and, and he is coming, and all the angels, holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in and naked or clothe you? And when did he see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. We come and worship God and say, I love you, God, I surrender all, and I do anything for you. And we have a wonderful relationship with the Lord, but He's saying when you do it to the least of these, you're doing it to me. We have two ministries represented here this morning that that have done that. We have uh, from Hope in Jesus Ministry, Pastor Tony Mancuso, I'm going to bring him up in a minute. And we have from our own congregation two gentlemen. One is Bob Killian. Bob is a finance man and he came to me as he, uh, and to share with me some of what's happened as he went into the prison with Pastor Tony and began to minister in, in the prisons with Pastor Tony and how he was uncomfortable doing that. We also have with us Jack Turquette who's been here for years. Jack Turchetta, years ago, stepped out of a blue chair and went down to Providence Rescue Mission to begin to teach down there. Providence Rescue Mission is a ministry that feeds the poor, clothes them, It does exactly what Jesus is talking about. Pastor Tony's ministry goes into the prison to do exactly what Jesus... So they're doing, they are contacting people that in Jesus' mind is Him, because they're going to reach people's needs. So I'm going to ask these three gentlemen to come up. Pastor Tony, Bob, Jack, you're back there somewhere... Where are you? I know I saw you. Come on up, gentlemen. And you can take this pulpit down. Somebody, please. Pastor Tony, why don't you sit here? Bob, why don't you sit there? i got some water for you here if you'd like some. Good morning good morning first of all i'm going i've got my own mic i'm going to ask you to uh, introduce yourself tell you a little tell a little bit about you and about the ministry and how you got into it
1: well uh, thank you for having me here today um, as uh, he introduced me I am a, a chaplain up at the uh, ACI in Providence and um, you know that's not anywhere before I was saved, and I knew the Lord that I thought I would be at. and uh, But as I went to uh, Bible college and uh, was studying the Word of God, I just felt a, a need to let God uh, work in my life and say, uh, Lord, uh, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Amen? Yes. Now, don't everybody say that because uh, you might wind up in prison ministry. And uh, it was kind of a shocker at first. Uh, but the... Uh, I was out there working on my jump shot on the court, uh, wasn't very good at it, and so the Lord felt I needed to be interrupted, and the dean of students came over and uh, said, uh, would you mind uh, working up at the jail ministry uh, here in Florida, we're going to start an evangelistic thing there, and I said, well, I had to say yes. Uh, I had already told the Lord that I would do whatever he had asked me to do. And so I felt that the door to uh, open a great opportunity. And ever since then, I've been blessed uh, by seeing uh, men uh, come to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and receive Him as their Savior over and over again. Just uh, seeing more men shed tears uh, accepting the Lord, receiving Him. And it's just been an awesome blessing. I'm glad I stepped through that door. I'm glad... I kept my word to the Lord because he's blessed me, my family, and people around me over and over and over again, seeing the Lord work in people's lives that uh, really receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I've been doing that for 20 years now, and uh, like I said, it's really been such a blessing to be able to do that.
0: Introduce yourself. Some people know you, but why don't you introduce yourself? I'm
2: Bob Killian. Good morning. Uh, it's really an honor to be here because uh, God really talked to me. And it took about 18 months before I stepped out and originally went and spoke to uh, Pastor Tony. I want to start at the end rather than what brought me there because I have three uh, at the end of these uh, classes that I do. Uh, we ask them for their input, and there's a survey, so to speak. And they get the same survey to start, and they get the same survey at the end. And inevitably, they're always advanced in some way, shape, or form, whether it's reading the word. Before
0: you do that, can you just tell them a little bit of your background, of how long you've been coming here, oh, kind of sure. what you do, what your background is?
2: Uh, well, I it's about 12 years. The greatest day in my life was October twentieth, two thousand and twelve, which I called Pastor Mike to know what the date was that I got baptized um, most amazing day. Um, the, the tremendous qualities of teaching that happens here um, just started to penetrate my heart, and then I started off reading uh, Joshua one one through nine and for some reason it grabbed hold of me, and I read it for weeks, like okay. And from there came this pulse about people in prison. And then as things progressed and God kept working on me, a friend of mine uh, asked me to attend Full Gospel Businessmen International, which is for women too. Actually, it's a she. And um, I went, and there was a man named Patrick who was part of the Rhode Island prison ministry and associated with Hope in Jesus, Asked him a few questions. Okay. Time passes because I'm not ready yet. I'm, a, I'm nervous. I'm afraid. How do I do that? I'm not a Bible expert, you know, that kind of thing. So then um, I finally had made the decision that uh, I was going to do it. So I went to Full Gospel because I knew I'd see Patrick. And I said, you know, Pat, I don't know where I'm going here, but I'm just going to jump out of the plane. I want to do this. And he goes, Bob, your timing is perfect. He goes, we just had a guy leave. Perfect timing. I'm like, well, there you go. Right? But here's the, here's the explanation point. The guest speaker that day was a gentleman from Connecticut who had shot somebody that was in prison and found Jesus. And that was the testimony that he was going to give. So I looked at Patrick and I went, fine, I'll do it, I'll do it. You know? And that's kind of how it started. Uh, and it's the best thing I ever did. It's the most important thing I do in the week, actually. On can, you, can you share a little bit about what you went through to, make,
0: to go from the blue chair behind the walls?
2: Whew. Um, I think it's, it was a matter of just releasing, or I'm going to go back to a long-taught sermon that you had done, actually, that just popped in my mind. I stepped out of the boat, and I went on the water, so to speak. And, um, but I had fear. I don't have any background. There wasn't a re- I mean, I, by the grace of God go I. I mean, I'm a 70s kid. Who knows, that could have been me, this or that. Something changed. So I had a great compassion for them. I actually love them. Um, and uh, so it was just something that kind of picked at my heart. So it was a series of things. It took about 18 months for me to have the courage to say yes and then it was too late. <laughs> but I, I had to keep going. Uh, so I don't know if that answers what I know we've had conversations. Yeah. What's your, um, I mean, you don't do this for a living, do you? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, uh, you know, I, I do work in, in helping the world in, in other ways. Um, but this was something that was uh, teaching the gospel and uh, applying biblical principles to the lives of people who are in a position where they've been broken. And I know what broken is. Um, I've, done, I've, had, I've gone through stuff that you think wouldn't be normal for someone who knows what I know and yet it happened to me. It's almost like my own pride and arrogance is what humbled me down to the bottom. Best thing that ever happened. Um, so it was a journey. Did
0: you have any experience teaching before?
2: No. <laughs> well, I mean, um, from the viewpoint of what I do for a living, I teach people, and I'm I'm used to speaking in front of people. Um, the nerves in me are jumping right now, but it's not because I'm nervous. The Holy Spirit's just banging off me. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I it, the format is that you get a... Uh, I teach. There's a lot more that goes on in Hope and Jesus Ministries than just what I do. But... Um, They have a workbook and you have a facilitator's guide, and you you sit with the men and um, you share the the word and you answer their questions and you tell them when you you don't know the answer. Maybe you come back the following week, or maybe it's open discussion, and you do get a lot of things that will come up out of nowhere. Um, But no, this was completely foreign to me. Uh, I thank God for Faith Christian Center. And the fact that I came here Mike Michael Liberty it, loved it when I told him this I came here because of TV. I watched it for two years i guess i 'm slow you know it took me two years to come in <laughs> eighteen months to be able to call somebody uh, <laughs> But anyway you know it's uh, maybe it 's simmering uh, so anyway of do you mind if I just read three quick sentences.
0: Yeah, that's why. That's why you're last.
3: (laughs) Um, Just
0: tell us who you are and kind of what you do and how you got into it. We'll get back to the the testimonies.
3: Jack Turketta. I've been here. I think I came with the second load of bricks. I've been here about 35 years. Um, I left once, came back, like the um, prodigal son, Um, but. I don't like the limelight. I, I don't like crowds. I, I, I really struggle being in front of people. Um, Is
0: that why you sit in the back?
3: Yeah, I sit in the back. Um, <laughs> at the time, God, my wife's waving. At the time, they, I, I've been here 35 years. I've been involved in probably three or four ministries. I was usher. I was care group leader. I was Wednesday night Bible teacher for the kids. I was um, Royal Rangers, but I was always behind the scenes. I Always behind the scenes doing stuff, and, and probably after i 'll tell you something this guy here on the end, the school of ministry is what blew my mind, the school of ministry we were in the first class remember? Yeah, right, yeah and uh, you don't get a, 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 you don 't really get a sense of ministry until you realize what ministry really is, yeah. and um, I've, I came to realize that I have zero intelligence, I have nothing to share, I have nothing to give. I read the Bible all the time, and I pray, but um, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a trained evangelist. I'm not a – but there were scriptures in the Bible that used to bother me. One was exhortation. Didn't know what that meant. That's what he ended up making me. I'm an exhorter of sorts. Um, One of the other scriptures that was in the Bible that bothered me was when he said Jesus went into prison. And I read that, and I used to get a knot in my stomach. I said, I'm just going to take that – that page and just rip it out of the book because I never <laughs> want to read that again. I mean, those people are guilty. They got what they deserve. They're, they're supposed to. I, I'm not making fun of the prison ministry. No, no, but, no. Um, it just bothered me. And um, so where's the first place he sends me to preach? The ACI. I'm like terrified. But the, the, the reason why I got there was because I was doing all these things in the church. I was, I was doing stuff, and I read the scripture. No, it wasn't a scripture, it was a a quote by Martin Luther, the original Martin Luther said, that he saw so many people doing Christianity, but he never saw anybody becoming Christian. And I said, said, God, what does that mean? I mean, if I'm busy doing stuff, aren't I becoming a Christian? Well, lo and behold, he took me out of every ministry in this church. I, I couldn't be an usher anymore, it was my own fault, I couldn't be an usher, I couldn't teach the kids, I, I got out of the, the cable so I'm sitting in the back, doing nothing, being totally cold, and I I had this feeling that the Holy Spirit had left, I was empty, this is the truth, and I said, I, 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 I went into my bathroom and I cried out to God, I said, God, I, I'm going to mess this up, I have a family now, I got a house, I got responsibilities. You really have to come back into my life and show up and and do something with this mess. I'm making this mess again. And I've already been here. I'd already been here five or six, seven years. So um, a couple of weeks later, I'm going to get emotional because God is awesome, folks. A friend of mine called, um, Paul, a friend of mine called and said that he was going to Times Square Church out in uh, um, New York to to a service. Do you want to come? And I said, yeah, I'd love to come. And as soon as I said that, the, the first time the Holy Spirit ever spoke to me, he said, it's going to change your life. So I said to my friend, I said on the phone, I said, the Holy Spirit told me it's going to change my life. He goes, well, being a good Christian, he goes, well, don't get too excited. He goes, it's just, it's just, another, it's just another church service, and we're going to go have lunch. Blah, 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 blah. So anyway, she's going to testify to testify. the night before we left. I sat on the bed with her, and I said, "You know something? I, I just, for 20 minutes, just told her the Holy Spirit's gone. I'm, I, I need a new job. I, I, I was cold. I was desperate. I needed God back in my life. And so I talked to her. We got in the car. Six guys drove to Times Square Church. Big place. Beautiful place. Dave Wilkerson, They had 150 people in the choir, and they're singing praise and worship. And all of a sudden." Dave Wilkerson gets up and he stops the music right in the middle of, this, of the praise and worship, just stops it. And he gets up to the microphone and he said, <sighs> he said, ah, he goes, the Holy Spirit, he goes, it's never happened before. I've been preaching for 30 years and the Holy Spirit told me in prayer last night to change my sermon. And he said, I don't know if there's one person here, a hundred or a thousand. And when I tell you, he, 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 dictated my wife's and I's discussion word for word I'm oh my god it was it was I'm sitting there I'm stunned and I'm crying I'm saying oh my god you sent me here to get my attention to tell me that you really and so so pastor he, he went through my whole discussion with her the holy spirit's gone you're cold you need a job blah 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 so I'm sitting there and weeping in tears and um He said, I don't have anything prepared because he told me not to see. But his discussion was about the Israelites going across the desert. He said there was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He said the Israelites didn't move unless the cloud moved. He said they didn't move. They didn't get ahead of it. They didn't get behind it. When it moved, they moved. He said, whoever this is, he says, God wants you to know that your life looks like it's a mess, but when he moves, you'll know it. So, and that was back in 92. It wasn't until late 90s when he called me into the prison ministry, which is where I started. I started at the ACI, at the maximum security. Um, And and so they called, and they asked me if, you know, if you want to, you know, be part of the prison ministry. And my head's going like this, but inside saying, you don't want to do that because you really don't have nothing to tell these people. But let let me tell you something, folks. I was terrified. I walked. I don't know if anybody of you have ever been in a prison before. I've never been, but I I walked in there and the the gates are closing and they walk you across to the the place where you have to minister. And I'm standing there in front of all these guys. And and I was with another person, so we had something prepared. And um, the first thing that came out of my mouth to these people wasn't from me. And I said, You know something, guys? I said, If the the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God is not for you. I can't accept it for myself. And I was like, oh, my God, where did that come from? And when I tell you he sent me there, not because I had something to tell them, but there was something on the inside of me that I was struggling with that had to get taken out. And I found out after that year and a half in that prison ministry that I was more of a prisoner than those guys ever, ever were. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm serious. And, and, again, I don't like speaking in front of crowds. Um. If there's two things I I would not have me do is, number one, go to prison because I don't want to be there, and number two, stand in front of people and say anything because I have nothing really to tell them. But that's how I got involved with that. And then can I go some more?
0: No, you can't. Just a minute. But see, there's often what holds us back is we we think, I don't have anything to give. That's the best place to be. It takes a pastor years to get to that place. To find out, he doesn't have anything to give, because he thinks he has things to give, and it's almost like God has got to wait for that to come, and then He can begin to move through you. So, go ahead, say a little more.
3: Anyway, um,
0: what are you doing now?
3: uh, Let me just say one thing. Um, The thing that I've discovered about this is that the things that you fear the most about serving God is the place of your biggest blessing. I'm serious. I'm serious. That's how he worked with me. So anyway, I did the prison ministry for a year and a half and um, learned a lot. I went, and then Providence Rescue Mission opened up. That was back in 2000 of August. And I went there not to preach. I just went there because God was there. And I wanted to wash tables. I wanted to just be where God was. Well, they found out around July, August, that I had been in the prison ministry. And they said, do do you want to start speaking to the people? I'm like, no. No. I don't, and I, I just I, I don't want to do this, but I did. I went, and I, I, prepared, I prepared stuff like you're supposed to do, right? Um, this, is, this story is going to blow your mind. I prepared sermons, and God, I was God-awful. I was terrible. I said, what are you doing this for? These people aren't learning anything. You're, you have no business being here. Well, it was December of 2000. And I was trying to prepare a sermon for Christmas because it's a Christmas message, right? So I went into the Gospel of Luke, very nice place to be, the manger, the, the shepherds, all that stuff. So I'm sitting there at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to prepare this sermon for the people because I'm thinking if I can, I can get out of this easy because this stuff is all prepared stuff, right? So I can just write the stuff and talk for 30 minutes and go home and be done with it. That's, that was what I was thinking. I'm sitting there at 5 o'clock in the morning trying to write my sermon and my paper's blank. I'm like, Jack, you read this a million times. You, what the heck is wrong with you? Well, this Holy Spirit that had spoken to me back in Dave Wilkerson days said, read the genealogy of Christ. And I said, geez, don't you understand this is Christmas? I can't even, pronou- I can't even pronounce those. I can't even pronounce those names. So I went into Matthew I went into Matthew and I started reading. I'm skipping over the names because I can't. I can't say them. He stops me at Rahab. Rahab's in the genealogy of Christ, by the way. And I said, "Wait a minute! What has she got to do with Christmas? Don't you know what she did for a living?" So he goes, "Go over in in Joshua and just read about." It. So I read the, the two or three verses about Rahab. I said, "Now I'm late for. I got to get my thinking." So I, I go back and I'm trying to write, and the paper's still blank, and he goes, well, you're not done. You have to keep going. And um, I, start, I keep going, skipping over the names David and Bathsheba. I said, oh, another Christmas couple. <laughs> Let me go over to it's Samuel. Is it Samuel? You read about David and Bathsheba. I said, okay, so now I'm late for work. I have nothing on the paper. I've got to stand up in front of these people at that point, in 2000, it was probably a couple of dozen maybe at most. Now we get upwards of 150, 200. So I get up there with nothing to say, and I, I, st- I stood in front of them, and I said, folks, I said, this is going to be a crazy Christmas message because it contains prostitutes, adulterers, and murderers. <laughs> That's how I started. And, and when I, this is the first time I've ever spoken in front of a crowd with nothing prepared for 30 minutes, and I said, gee, I, I wish they had recorded this because it really was good. It was really good. It was a message, seriously, it was a message of hope that how these people who could do such crazy, crazy stuff could end up in this genealogy. So there's hope for everybody. So, so at the end of the service, I do what I, you know, you're supposed to do. You ask for people to come forward and pray, and everybody left, and it was this one girl, she's sitting right there. And she's crying, and I'm trying to think. Oh, geez, what did you say to? I said, now you, now you're gonna get sued. They're gonna take you to. So I'm trying to think of what I said. So, so I went to sit next to her, and she and she's crying. And I said, gee, if, if I said anything to upset you, I, I'm really, I'm really sorry for what I. She goes, no. She goes, you don't understand. She said, I'm not from this neighborhood. She goes, I was just walking by the front of this building, and something told me to come in and sit. And she said, when you said prostitute, that's what I do for a living. And she goes, that hope that you just gave us, I need. So now I'm crying, and she's crying. So we obviously pray, and I'm saying, I said, no, you don't. And and she's trying to apologize to me. I said, no, you don't understand. I said, I was trying to get out of this easy. I was trying to just prepare something easy to get out of this. But God sent you here. He sent you here to, to get the the hope of Christ, the reality of Christmas. Oh, my God. I said, Jesus was in in, in New York. He sent me there. Folks, there's a big difference between religion and relationship. It, it, there really is. And, and so what he told me, mental giant that I am, is that don't... Prepare stuff. Just go there, and let the spirit. The spirit knows everybody in the place. He knows exactly where, he reads your mail. So I just go. I've been there 18 years. I've been there 18 years. I go every week, and I say stuff. And I've had people healed of gangrene, AIDS, uh, crack cocaine, cancers. Can I just tell that? Sorry.
0: Some of you may be sitting out there saying, I wish, I wish I could hear that clearly from God. But he didn't hear until he stepped into what God had for him to do, was willing to go into what God had for him to do. So you need to step out of the boat, and then you'll begin to hear. Okay, two more minutes.
3: So, yeah, there's, um, so again, my personality is I, um, I don't like speaking in front of crowds, especially unprepared because... I start to shake. You know, I I did it since I was a kid. So I try to get out of this stuff as as easy as I can sometimes. So a lot of times I'll go to the mission, I'll I'll play videos for them so I can just stand over there and and not have to say anything. And um, so I have this video of Rich Mullins. And uh, Rich Mullins, awesome God. If there's any um, Christian music that you listen to, you you should listen to him because he is so real and un- Unblemished. But anyway, so I had this video of him, and, and, and it's got his, I had the TV set up and, the, and his pictures on the front, and I was ready to play the 30 minute DVD. So the, there was a lady, God bless her, um, she, she comes a lot, and she used to sit right in the front. And so before I put the, the DVD on, she started chastising me. She goes, she goes that, That's not. She goes, You're going to play that DVD again. She goes, I've seen that five times. She goes, That stuff drives me nuts. She goes, Why don't you? Stop playing that. Just, she goes, that's not even Christian music. It's, that's not Christian music. I said, oh, well, it is, and that's what I'm going to do. So, But anyway, so I started the video, and she left. She walked out. That was probably summer. She came back next spring. She came walking through the door. I'm standing there. She came walking through the door, a smile on her face, and she was singing Awesome God. That's one of Rich Mullin's songs, right? She's singing Awesome God. So I said, oh, it's nice to see you. She goes, I came back to apologize because I I left in a a hurry. Um, I shouldn't have done that. I said, well, you know, being the good Christian guy, I said, yeah, you don't have to apologize. It's no big deal. So um, she goes, no, you you don't understand. She goes, I I live in East Providence, so I I don't come here anymore. But I I have to tell you what happened when I left last summer. I said, oh, what happened? She goes, well, that that week I collapsed. They took me to the hospital, and they found that she she was a big woman. She, She had... Like, uh, anyway, and they they found gangrene in her leg. So the doctor said, well, you know, gangrene's incurable, so we're going to have to uh, remove your leg. And she just, she was like, oh, my gosh. She was, you can't take my leg. I won't be able to get around. So I guess she had a very high fever. They sent her home with high doses of antibiotics. And they said, once your your fever goes down, you can come back and we'll do the surgery. And um, so she goes, God bless her. She goes, when they sent me home, She goes, all I could think about was that stupid music you used to play at the mission. She goes, that song, Awesome God, haunted me for a week. She goes, I heard it when I slept. She goes, all I heard was Awesome God over and over and over and over again. (laughs) She went to the hospital to get her leg removed. And uh, she woke up and she had both legs. And so the doctor said, he goes, I don't know. He goes, I, he goes, I can't figure it out. He says, we looked at your leg. And he says, the spot where the gangrene was was, he goes, it's almost like a baby's behind. It was so pure. And she goes, you know why? She goes, because my God is an awesome God, she told him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My God is an awesome God. You, you I've d- got a thousand of those. I mean, I, I could <laughs> be here all day, but.
0: For somebody who doesn't like to speak in front of people. You do okay.
3: (coughs) Sorry, I'm sorry.
0: Bob, did you have anything there you wanted to share?
2: Oh, um, yeah, I just had some feedback that I think says it all of um, the kind of effects that happen on people that are willing to open their hearts and maybe be broke enough just for a little bit to creep in and let God do his business. Um, These are just three inputs. I'm grateful for this class. Because I've learned how to humble and more open, be more open-minded. How God wants to work in my life. Another one writes, "I do keep you in all my thoughts because I respect you, the way of your path." Ah, uh, wait! No, the way he writes this, or the path you choose. and and God's presence bless you. And the final one, I came to terms to surrender myself as well as my past to the Lord and let him guide me and lead me to the direction of my faith is pointed in, also with the help of our fellow brothers through Christ. I love that one. Strength of church and surrender. These are the kind of inputs and there's there's others and I didn't like pick the best of I just picked three whatever it says it says um, but it's been incredibly rewarding and made me so much grow so much closer to Jesus that it's uh can't just can't get enough of it so anyway that that is so crucial because if you
0: really want to to know Jesus personally. I mean, have a real living relationship with Him. <clears throat> Let Him work through you. Right. Right. Let Him begin to minister through you. And ministry doesn't mean you stand in a pulpit. Ministry is whatever situation. My wife goes wherever she goes. She's ministering to people. Uh, she doesn't stand up and preach with to them. She just meets them in the grocery store. I never know when she's going to come out because she talks to people and then lets the Holy Spirit just lead into the situations and they're they're so ripe out there. The situations are so ripe And, and Jesus knows where they are and He's trying to send somebody just to touch them and to reach out to them whether it's in prison or it's in a nursing home or wherever it is and God wants to use you and you have to be available to Him. But when you begin to do that, these are, these are men that are experiencing God working through them. So, you know,
1: anything else you want to? Well, just real quick, I just think that uh, what these men said, that first they had a, a willing heart. That if you're willing, then God can fill that need and give you something to do in His kingdom. And secondly, I think every one of us is afraid. Every one of us experienced fear standing and helping people. But I think of the Scripture of what God says, there is no fear in them who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We don't have to be afraid because we all walked away, we were all afraid, but the joy that follows, the experience and the things that you see God doing that follows says, oh boy, I'll do that again. I'll step out again. I Listen, I'm afraid every week. Uh... But the joy that follows is worth it. The, the you know, it's inadequate as I can be. I know the Lord works through me. Where I'm weak, He is strong. Amen?
0: Tell them about what, what your ministry does, the different aspects of your ministry, and then where you, could, where you could use some help for people that may want to get involved. It doesn't necessarily be teaching.
1: Sure, sure. There's lots of ways. Uh, you know, we run what we call the Learning to Live Initiative. It's a program. It's a faith-based program where we give workbooks to the inmates to do each and every week. is full of Scripture. that They have to go back and they have to read and put down their own thoughts and what they're thinking about, what God's Word says. And then they come to the classroom once a week meet with our facilitators they have a facilitators guide and they go over that lesson and they share what God is also doing in their lives and the facilitators learn so much what God uh, is teaching them and the people coming that they might be struggling with and some of these struggles might be uh, what we call decision-making overcoming loss and grief making better decisions anger management dealing with drugs and addictions and each one of our classes The Lord is used, the Bible is used to help show there's a way to overcome these kinds of things. That our goal is to close the ACI. Our goal is to stop recidivism, put ourselves out of work. I'm not trying to make a bigger job. I'm trying to change people's lives. And we see that happening. We see recidivism rate in guys who take faith-based courses because this is the strongest way in which we know will change a person's and transform a person's life. And we see a drop in recidivism rating by 30% of guys who spend time, and everyone that comes in our class walks out a different person. They walk out, one, knowing something about the truth, which is in the Word of God and understanding themselves a little bit better. So we give you all the training, we give you all the support, we team you up. We just we didn't just throw uh, Bob in there. We know he wouldn't have come back. We'd be like, uh oh. but no. We we put you with people. We train you. We teach you. And so that's one aspect is going inside the prisons and sharing with the men and women there uh, those kinds of things. Another way is through prayer. I think that's probably the mightiest way to put together prayer groups and to pray for us, pray for what we're doing up there, uh and that we'll be able to grow and grow in support and grow in all that we need uh to expand the ministry to help people when they transition. And that's where we want to go from this point. We've been helping people on the inside, and now we want to get to a point where we can help people on the outside. So if you're listen, if you're just saying the Lord, I'll do Whatever you do, the Lord will make a way for you to be involved. The Lord will open up a door, right? Because the harvest is plenty. Amen. All right? And we need the laborers.
2: Amen? Amen. If I could just cut over. I've got to say this. When I've been doing and standing in front of these men and questions come up, I can't tell you how many times... From coming here and listening to the entire all the pastors here at Faith Christian Center, I just copy them. One day I said to Pastor John, "I plagiarize your stuff." You know, that's okay; it's not copyrighted. (laughs) But literally, like a couple within a couple weeks ago, when Pastor John talked about the idea of a symphony and how a church everybody plays their own note, and so that came up in in class that that very Monday, the next day, and I used that exact analogy, and it's like it happens all the time. Like I feed here and bring it there. I stole it from somebody also.
3: So. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. The, the mission is a special place. And um, there's a lot of people that, that, um, that like to go there, but they like to go there on holidays. And let me tell you something. Um, on, on Thanksgiving day, the mission has more volunteers than they do have people to feed. And the people at the mission tell me, where are all these people on Friday? Where are all these people April 22nd? The mission has desperate need for people to volunteer to do whatever needs to be done. And I think sometimes we get this, well, I'm gonna dedicate my Thanksgiving morning and go and help the people and then forget about them for the 364 days of the year. That's not God, man. That's not God. So, and I've also learned um, that when, when you make this about you, mm-hmm. you fail. That's right. And uh, another short story. Anybody here, of Reinhard Bunke? Reinhard Bunke preaches to millions of people at, at a time. And I have these videos of him, and I show him at the mission, and very simple messages, but he's preaching to a million people. I'm like, oh, my God. I've only got 12. I'd like to preach in front of a million people. Um, Very selfishly, right, because it's all about me. It's not about me. And one day I was at the mission, and uh, I learned this lesson too. I was at the mission, and um, I was standing there waiting to to get on, and the phone rang, and, and the pastor called from here. And nobody was there to answer the phone, so I picked up the phone, and I spoke, and I said, geez, I said, while he was waiting to talk to Sean Carew, I was talking to him, I said, do you ever get the feeling that you're doing this for so many people and you're not having an effect? Because I was think, I was looking at from my point of view, I'm, I'm not having an effect on people. Um, I'm not having crowds come forward to pray the sinner's prayer and all this stuff. I, I wasn't seeing that a lot, and I was, I was. So I said, "Do you have that same issue?" This pastor, Dave, wasn't you? And he said, "Well, just how many people do you get?" I said, eh, "Maybe 50." He said, "Just multiply that times a thousand because he has so many people here, and sometimes you, you don't get." the results that you think you're getting, right? Because you're looking at it from your own perspective. You're not looking at it from God's perspective. So anyway, I'm I'm waiting. Sean comes up, he takes the phone, and I I get up and I say my 30 minutes of whatever exhortation I said at that point in time. And as everybody was leaving, this lady come up to me and she said, she goes, you know something? She goes, sometimes I get the impression that you, you think you're not having an effect on us. She said, the Holy Spirit wants you to know that you're our pastor and to oh. keep, t- seriously. And she wasn't there with the- when I was talking to Pastor Dave on the phone. She was, he wants you to just keep doing what you're doing and he'll do the rest of it. And I'm like, geez, it's not about you, dummy. It's not about you. It's not about, it has nothing to do. This is Jesus Christ's ministry. These guys are part of Jesus Christ. This is his ministry. He knows what the heck he's doing with his people. We just have to be willing to stand up and let him use us in the little ways that he chooses to use us. So if I don't see a million people in a crowd, it doesn't make any difference. If, if all I was created to do was to save that one girl from prostitution, then my life's been fulfilled. So I, my exhortation.
0: Can I say something?
3: Do you have to? <laughs> just kidding. Just
0: kidding. Um, When I was saved, I was working in that large law firm in Boston, and uh, we came home from our nice, comfortable church one Sunday afternoon, and God began to deal with me to go down to the homeless mission on Kingston Street in Boston. I, I, I wasn't raised near, I was raised in an affluent family, we didn't go, and I just kept gnawing at me. And I realized it was a matter of obedience, and I told my wife, I said, I just have to go." I didn't want to go, and I drove down there in fear and trembling, and, and I, I, I just fed, and then God began to deal with me, and I would take Tuesday my lunch hour, and, Wednesday my, and Thursday my lunch hour, and go and feed them, and I walked in the back door one day, Milt Friesen, I don't know if you ever knew him, Milt Friesen was the director at the time, and I'm walking, I was a little late, I'm walking in the back, because they had to sit through a service before they went downstairs, and um, I walk in the back door, and he looked up, he says, John, you're preaching today, come here. That was the first sermon I ever preached. And I walked down, and you're sitting there preaching to men who don't want to be there. They're asleep, and they're out of it because they just want the food they're going to eat afterwards. It was kind of preparing me for you on Sunday morning. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm just joking. I'm joking. I, 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 wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to preach anywhere else but here. My point is this. I went out of obedience And I believe part of that was preparing me so that God could put me in the position that He wanted to put me in. God has a pattern, a direction for your life, but it's one step at a time. And often those beginning steps don't look like they're anything. But He's looking for obedience. Obedience when you're afraid. Obedience doesn't make sense. Obedience, and if you just step out, then God can begin to redirect you. It's much easier to change the direction of a vehicle that's moving than to get it moving. And if you'll just start moving, then God can redirect you if He needs to redirect you. We're, gonna, we're running out of time because we're going to be sharing the Lord's Table together. But I want to thank you gentlemen for coming, Tony, for, Pastor Tony for coming. He has a table back there in the foyer as you go out to the left and he'll have some information there if you want to know more about Hope for Jesus' ministry and meet Bob also and... If you want to stand back there, you can too, Jack, if you want to. It's up to you. So, thank you so much for coming and sharing with us. God bless you. Just, just pray Thank you. Yeah. Would you like some water?